Thank you for checking out this episode of the Refine the Line podcast. Today, I have on one of the most exciting guests I've had on to date, who has been to Roosters, a fun, casual joint. The president and partner owner of Roosters joins me today. We get into what it was like playing college football, what it's been like scaling all the way from two locations to nearly 50 the last 30 years. A new wing sauce set to be released. Some Jim Trestle stories. Does Ohio State win the national championship? And much, much more. He is without doubt one of the nicest and most humble people you will meet in a great friend. Without further ado, here's Dan Ponton. We are live. Dan Ponton. Thanks for coming, man. Oh, my pleasure, Spence. <laughs> really appreciate it. You are the president and owner, or I guess part owner, of Ohio's favorite wing joint roosters. Is that a fair that's title? A, that's a fair title. Correct. Fantastic. So with that said, I'm going to start you off with a really easy one today. The year is 1988. It was a big year, the year I was born. Which team won the Super Bowl? Which movie won Best Picture? And which fun casual wing joint opened its doors? <laughs> <laughs> well, it had to be the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Close, but no cigar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go with Roosters. Roosters, yep. Uh, the team that won the Super Bowl that year was actually the ding 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 West Virginia, or they have an Ohio State quarterback quarterbacking them right now. They start in the NFL, East Coast. Washington? Yep. Ooh. They beat the Denver Broncos 42-10 to 10 that wow. year. Jim Lachey was on that team, I think. Uh-huh. Who, I don't, I forget their quarterback's name as well. That, uh, he was, a, wasn't he the, the black quarterback? Um, the first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Uh, Doug, um, That's it. I forget his last name. I forget his last name. I'm going to get so much crap from my friends after this. <laughs> and then the other one is actually probably my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Dustin Tom Hoffman. Hunt. Close. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, uh, uh, the one with the toothpicks. <laughs> That's it. Rain Man. Yeah, Rain Man. There you go. Fantastic. Young uh, young Tom back in the day. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming. Appreciate it. Um, take me back. I want to kind of, when I when I do these, I like profiling people. I don't, I, you know, I understand you work at Roosters. I've known you a long time. I want to know a little bit about your childhood. Where did you grow up and what was that like? Well, I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I went to a, uh, a big high school, North Allegheny High School, and uh, you know, did did uh, it was great. I think we had like nine hundred in our graduating class, and uh, and you know, did you know, played all the sports, you know, track, football, basketball, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then my junior year, we my dad got transferred, so we moved to a real little town called Coshocton, Ohio. Oh wow! Yeah, so have you ever heard of it? I have. That's uh, what another forty-five minutes past Newark. Uh, yeah, Is that right yeah. about that. So, so all of a sudden, I go from a big city and a nine hundred uh, um, senior class uh, enrollment to a seventeen thousand population city with a graduating class of like 260. Wow. That's so, so this was your senior year of high school. Yeah. My, uh, my junior, yeah. End of my junior year and my senior year. So yeah. Wow. How, uh, I mean, you said it was a shock, but how was, how was that like? Can you describe it for me? Oh, you well, it, you know, it, and I, I kind of look at it this way. It wasn't really, it, it, 
wasn't really a shock. It was kind of like I experienced this great big thing, and now I'm down to this little thing. So I got to probably more than unless you're a military baby, I got to experience the little and the big, and and so it, it actually was a good experience. How was it playing? You mentioned you played all the sports. How was it playing sports at a really big school? I've always wondered this too because I went to Dublin Scioto, which is a D1, D2 school here locally in Columbus. How was it playing sports at a really big school? And then moving to a smaller school like that, are you, you know, if I don't know how you were at sports, but if you were a good player, did, did that, you know, highlight that even more? Were you not playing with as many good players then on the smaller school? How, how did that go? Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot more talent at the, at the I went to North Allegheny High School. More bodies. Uh, sure. And, and, but, um, you know, I, I, I started there. And so when you move to a school that's, that's a little bit smaller, a lot smaller, um, you, you know, I started there. So it, was, uh, it wasn't really a whole lot of different other than the caliber of people that you played in the league. That makes sense. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always wondered that, though. Um, tell me a little bit. I mean, I, I mentioned my daily show. I do a lot of basically sports breakdown, sports betting. It's kind of what I'm passionate about. Were you a... Sports fan of the local Pittsburgh teams growing up, Steelers, Pirates. Oh my yes. What uh, what was your kind of? Did you did you like them both equally? What was your hockey fan? Yeah, uh, never really got into hockey, but uh, Pirates and Steelers. And and and, and back then, uh, I remember when uh, Chuck Knoll he, he got hired, and they used to play their games in um, uh, where did they play them at? Pittsburgh uh, Stadium, the old Pitt Stadium. Uh, and uh, I remember going to the very first game, which they won, and then they lost their next 14 in a row. But that wow. was the start of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the best thing was baseball, because we love baseball. And every summer, we had one of our friend's older brothers would take us downtown to the uh, Pirate game. And he'd put a newspaper over his face and go to sleep. Oh and my we'd God. watch a doubleheader. And, um, it, uh, but year after year, it was Roberto Clemente. Uh, Willie Stargell, Don Clendenin, uh, Bill Mazeroski. Every year you'd see the same players, which, as you know, Spencer, you don't see that today. You do not at all. I, I was. This is. I'm actually really impressed right now about your knowledge <laughs> around the Pirates and obviously the Steel Curtain. But I wanted to give you a little history of this too because I'm a big baseball guy as well. But the Pirates won the World Series in 1960, <clears throat> 71, and 79. 1960 was special. They played the Yankees. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it's the only year in the World Series a player from the losing team won the MVP. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> Pretty wild. Um, Clemente was there. I think he was very young, but uh, Bobby Richardson took it down, second baseman for the for the Yankees back in the day. So, yeah, you you kind of grew up in a basically. I mean, with the Steelers and the Pirates, they were unbelievable. Um, in your childhood. It's the complete opposite of my childhood and the team that's right behind you, the, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, absolutely miserable. My entire teenage, I tell this story all the time, my entire teenage years and 20s were completely ruined by incompetence. So you, uh, <laughs> you on the other hand, got got some great years there. Yeah, I was spoiled with the, Brown, or the Browns. I was spoiled with the Steelers. <laughs> by the way, the Browns are my second favorite team, if you can believe that. But uh, How does Steelers that work out? Because um, all, allowed? My friend, all my friends were Browns fans, and uh, they got tired of that anyway. So when they, especially when they got, they moved out of Cleveland, I felt so bad for the Brown fans. So they became my 
Next favorite team. That's great. I have a couple Steelers fans, and they're the exact opposite. They love the <laughs> they love the pain. So yeah. Uh, but no, moving on. So you went to, moved to Coshocton. How did you? I understand you went to Bowling Green for college. Well, I went to um, actually. Uh, I, I I went to school to play football at uh, back then. And this is 1972. It was called uh, MSU, okay. not Michigan State, but it was Memphis State University. Interesting. And uh, that's University of Memphis now. And um, it, that was a great experience. I played down there for two years. Um, and uh, that's what, what the, position? Uh, I was a wide receiver. Okay. Uh, probably the slowest one in the conference. <laughs> Possession receiver. You're tall. <laughs> what are you, 6'3? Six, six, uh, back then, about 6'4 and a half. 6'4 and a half, yep. Good possession receiver. So, uh, so I did that. Played there for two years and uh, kind of got hurt. Sat out a year and transferred to Bowling Green. I understand. To totally done with sports then. Just looking to get yep. a degree at that. Totally time. done. Gotcha. Totally done. What? Uh, tell me about. Because um, I, I didn't know you actually went to Memphis. You, it was Memphis State back then, and now it's Memphis. Yeah, it's interesting. U- it's University of Memphis now, but back then they called it MSU. Fantastic! I never knew that. Yeah. Wow. Learn something new every day. But yeah, uh, you're not old enough. Yet. I know. <laughs> Getting there. But how uh, how was it? How was, I mean, how was Memphis like back then? That's. Um, I mean, this is the '70s. It was uh, you know rock and roll, and yeah, you have and uh, Elvis. Elvis. Uh, Elvis lived there, as you know, and had a girlfriend on campus, and so every wow. now and then we'd see him on campus. I've been to Graceland a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it that's my interest. cool, so. isn't it? That is cool. Yeah, uh, great ribs there, by the way. Memphis, fantastic yeah. barbecue. Yeah, no, fantastic. And when I was there, that's the year. I think it was '72 or '70. I can't remember. Uh, that's the year our basketball team, you know, we lived in the athletic dorm, so they were on the first floor and the football team was on the, the second, third floor. But that's the year they went to the NCAA finals against Bill Walton. Oh, wow. In UCLA. Wow. And Bill Walton poured in uh, 20 out of 21 from the field and, and, and beat the Tigers. That's crazy. So they played them in the, in the finals that year. Yeah, the final game. One of my friends who I had on my first show, he can actually name, he's really sick, but he can name every single Final Four, <laughs> I think, 45 years back. So I, I gave him a trivia question. I'm like, who was in the 93 Final Four? And he, he nailed it. Oh so I wonder, I wonder if he could do that for the, the 72 or 73 Final Four. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Cool story. Well, yeah. I had no idea Memphis was was that uh, legit. Who, who, was, who were some of the good players? Uh, they had Larry Keenan, Larry Finch, and... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't, really don't remember all the rest I, I, of them. I think uh, Keenan rings a bell for me. Did, yeah. he, did he play in the NBA? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, don't maybe know. not. But, uh, no, that's awesome. That's really cool. I never knew you went to Memphis, so awesome. Yeah. Bowling Green, tell me a little bit about transferring there. You you know, met Kurt Schlemens. How did, how did, uh, how did all that work Kurt, out? Kurt, uh, lifelong friend. Yep. Uh, Bowling Green was great. Um, uh, um uh, met a lot of good people there. Met your dad through Kurt because they went to high school together. But I think it was probably uh, after we graduated from Bowling Green, and uh, Kurt and I both ended up in Columbus. Um, Bowling Green was a great place, um, a lot of fun. Um, what do you like best about Bowling Green? There's a, and I wanted to ask you this. I think it's a newer shop, but have you have you been back to Bowling Green recently? Uh, probably two or three years ago. Have you did you have you checked out this place called the Cookie Jar? Do you have any idea what I'm talking I, about? I have not. Bowling Green might have the best chocolate chip cookie place I've ever been to. Oh my gosh! Without question, it's called the Cookie Jar. Every time my, my younger brother went to Bowling Green, every time he comes home, he brings home some Cookie Jar cookies. <laughs> They're about the size of your head. Did he love Bowling Green? He loved Bowling Green. Yeah. yeah, he still has a couple friends that live there. 
um, like are out of school, but they work there. And yeah, he goes back all pretty frequently. I'd oh, say a couple sweet. times a year. So no, that's awesome. What uh, after Bowling Green? What what brought you to Columbus afterwards? Uh, I decided that um, I was going to. Uh, I, I've always kind of wanted to work for myself. So at that time, um, well, I graduated from uh, Bowling Green. I took a job uh, uh, with a, com- a huge company called American Hospital Supply Corporation out of Chicago. Have you ever heard of them? I have not. Probably. Okay. Just a monster company. Still around today? Um, well, that's my claim to fame. They hired me, and now they're out of business. That's that's for now. <laughs> yep. That'll stick with forever. Yeah, I'm sure it was me. But no, they had uh, you know thousands of employees. They sold to hospitals, and so I was in um, uh, in Boston. My office was in Boston, so I, I sold for two years in Boston, and then uh, left because I had the opportunity. And if you remember, that's like 1978 ish. Uh, you weren't born then, right? Ten years after. Ten years after. Yep. Uh, 78-ish. And that's when a movie uh, uh, with John Travolta hit the world. Do you remember what that was? It wasn't Greece. Nope. Oh, gosh. Greece was 74. It kicked off an era, a music era. Oh, my gosh. What was it? Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Do you ever see that movie? I have seen Saturday Night Fever like 10 times. Yeah. All right. So that started this whole disco movement. So a friend of mine calls me in Ohio and said, hey, this thing is going crazy. I want to open a nightclub. Can you come and help do the marketing for me? And right now in Boston, you're working like a traditional nine to five. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and it's freezing and the snow is 10 inches deep and yeah. Far away from everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so I said, sure. And so, uh, they opened a nightclub and actually opened a series of five of them. And so I did the marketing for all five nightclubs. And this is in Columbus. This is in Columbus. Gotcha. Is this uh Dixie? Dixie Electric Company. Yeah. Dixie Electric Company. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about Lexi or uh, Dixie. You did all the marketing for them. Did you ever do any sort of managing at all? Or was it at this point you're strictly kind of doing the marketing? Well, at this point I'm strictly doing the marketing and it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, of course I'm, almost that age at that point, you know, 23, 24 years old. Um, so it was fun. Um, did you work and then after the fact, go out to the clubs, have some fun at that age? <laughs> well, yeah. well, you know, and eventually, you know, I got into, you know, helping out here and helping out there and, and, um, you know, and, and then we got into this, um, uh, live music on Wednesday nights, which was a slow night in the disco business. Um, and we started, you know, so I started booking bands. I mean, I had Stephen Stills there, I had, oh, you know, because wow. we had 40,000 square feet. Um, so it was a big place. We could fit about, you know, 4,500 people in there. Was so this just one of your spots that was kind of like a marquee Dixie joint? This was, or was the biggest the one, four? the one in okay. Columbus. And the other one was in Cincinnati, Toledo, Cleveland. So I traveled all over the state. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then you, you started booking these guys on Wednesday night. What did that kind of lead to or progress to? How did, how did that work as well for Dixie? Was it pretty popular? You know? uh, it was very popular. This is the early 80s then, I'd imagine. Yeah, okay. it was very early 80s, and, um, and it, was, it was very popular. We hooked up with uh, QFM 96, who is still around today. You know those guys? Yep. Wags and, and uh, Wags. Been and around forever. Uh, Wags was there, you know, back then, um, and a guy named John Fisher. Uh, was his morning uh, show partner, um, and so uh, so so they kicked it off for us, and it it, it was great. Um, but the more I booked the bands, the more I got into kind of the operational end of the business, and I said, you know what, um, 
I think I'm going to do my own. So I left and opened my own nightclub. Okay. So, which what was that called? It was called well, there's it was called uh, Coconut Beach Club or Rainbows, depending on. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Which uh, which part of town? That was on the west side of town. It was an old USA roller rink over on uh, Old Sullivan Avenue. Still there today. Yep. Wow. Still there today. I was going to ask you this later, but this kind of ties into what we're talking about. How was Columbus? As a city, maybe even as a night scene too, with with the clubs and stuff. I know I, I doubt you get out to the clubs much anymore, but how was Columbus as a city back then compared to now? You know, thirty five years later, what's how does ever how has everything changed from from that angle? Would you say? Because everything now, for example, I'll keep expanding upon this. Where maybe you're thinking about it, everything now I feel like is really focused and concentrated in the short north in terms of like a nightclub scene. You also have these little pockets around town. Easton, about 20, 25 years ago, really built up, and, and that's a really nice place for shopping and other, you know, restaurant and, and eating. And, and even there's some nightclub stuff there, too. The Funny Bone is great if you've ever been there. But now Dublin, you know, right by where um, you live and where I'm from, downtown Dublin, they've, you know, the Hoings and I forget the other gentleman that helped build that up, but they've probably put in, I don't know, hundreds or at least $100 million, you'd imagine, the whole downtown area in Dublin is extremely nice, and you don't even have to leave uh, your local area to actually find, you know, a fun time. I guess. How did, but how, how has it changed? How has Columbus changed the last, you know, thirty, forty years? Well, you know, when I got here in the late seventies, um, I think Columbus had just under four hundred thousand, and uh, wow, you know, uh, metro and uh, something like that. Now, what we're, we're over a million five, um, and 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 back then. Um, and growing. And growing. Yeah. And back then, 18-year-olds um, could drink. Uh-huh. Okay. Good point. So, they, and, and so things, it changed the whole dynamic of the entertainment scene. Because if you were 18 before you hit 21, you could legally drink a 3-2 beer, they called it at the time. And so all these big nightclubs start popping up to take care of that crowd. Um, because if you think about it, uh, um, if you're an 18-year-old guy or 19 or 20, and same thing if you're a gal, um, this, is the per this is all you spend your money on. Absolutely. Uh, guys would say, hey, I'm going to spend my money on beer and women. Yep. <laughs> and girls would go, I'm going to spend my money on getting dressed up and dancing. And that's what happened. Perfect marriage. There's the head coach. I, I don't know if he is anymore. I think he still is. The head coach of Jerome. I remember this because he played, his son played baseball with my younger brother, Austin. And he, I don't know what he is. He's probably mid-50s now, late 50s. And he, I believe, was one day from the cutoff date of that 18. And I remember him telling me that story. And I was like, that is a nightmare. Because he said all of his friends could go out and have fun. And he was the only one that was SOL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and couldn't do that. So that's pretty cool. Um, how was it, the other thing too, back in back 80s today, how was it actually managing a company uh, back then? today from a technology standpoint, bookkeeping, employees, you know, everything. How, how has that changed over the last 30, 40 years? Well, I think uh, back then there were a lot fewer regulations and um, it, it was a simpler time, just period. And today there, there are um, so many regulations and so many I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed and uh, 
And so it's a lot more difficult today for, for a small business owner than it was, you know, 35 years ago. What kind of regular, like, give me, give me one example. What type of regulation gives you kind of a headache as a small business owner? Just out of curiosity, would it be more from a, you know, real estate standpoint, buying and purchasing land for a new restaurant? Um, would it be more from a, you know, what can we serve? How can, how, how can we serve it? What, what, what would you say kind of stands out more than anything? Oh gosh, I, I, I don't know if it's any one thing. Um, um, it, it just a lot of what I call accounting type paperwork that the government wants. Gotcha. Okay. Now a lot of good things have happened too, uh, along with that, like um, uh, the health and safety codes, uh, you know, back then were not nearly, of course you didn't, you, you didn't know things back then. Mm -hmm. As, as, as time goes on and 35 years later, we, we, we learn new things about health and, and, uh, and how to stay healthy and stuff like that. So all these new health regulations are a good thing. For sure. And, um, like even today, the health department kind of uses us as an example because um, we go over and above. We send all our people to what's called a PIP class every year, which uh, a person in charge, and uh, we take up the whole classroom, and and, uh, and 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 we were in constant contact with them. But everything they do is good, and some people view them as the bad person. Sure. And it's the wrong way to look at it. Perception of it, yeah. I, I, I remember back in research, because this always, the topic of health was fascinating to me, but I remember back in the 80s, I think a lot of the big sugar companies paid tons and tons, like billions of dollars to basically say, hey, sugar's not the problem, it's actually fat. And then, you know, 10, 15 years ago, after all these health studies, we realized that, hey, sugar is actually terrible for you. Right. <laughs> now, I love it as much as anybody. Yeah, right? yeah, who doesn't like it, it? Exactly, so. Well, you know, salt used to be good for you, now it, it's bad for you. Now it's horrible, it yeah, just so, kind of flips So off. you're right, knowledge is a good thing. Uh, the Fricks opened up the first roosters in Dayton. We have some roosters questions, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, opened up the first roosters in Dayton. Tell me how you got involved. And kind of what was the vision like back then um, when you did get involved as okay. a very small company? Okay, so uh, Bob and his wife, Corinne, um, um, opened up the first roosters at 3501 North Main. Um, the the uh, business is still there. Um, this is in Dayton, right? This is in Dayton. Very first roosters that ever opened up. I um, had just um, sold my business, which is the nightclub. Yep. And I had, I had known Bob vaguely from the nightclub because his brother Ray used to be in the nightclub business. So somebody said, hey, um, and I was thinking about getting into the restaurant business. And somebody said, hey, you should go see this place in Dayton. So I went down there and see him and, and uh, you know, saw the, the roosters and talked to Bob and Corinne. And it looked just like a Hooters. Mm -hmm. okay? Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, but with one exception. Um, it looked just like a Hooters. The girls were in short shorts and tube tops, but Bob's best friend was Hooters original manager in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. In Dayton, Ohio, of all places. Yeah. So they wow. went to high school together. Ter Terry was his name. Uh, he is, uh, and he was the original manager, general manager of the Hooters in, in, in Clearwater Beach. So they, Bob and Terry got together and opened up Roosters that looked like a Hooters. The menu was... I, I still have one from back then. Um, it was about, you know what our menu looks like today. Yep. It's got like 75 or 80 items on it. Well, yep. this, this was 
two pages about the size of this book, and it had eight items on this page. And so it was like a bar menu, page. like quick bites oh, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very simple. So, um, so anyway, um, um, uh, and Bob and Corinne are still partners, and they're great partners, and uh, they live in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Um, but right about the time that I came on, after they opened the Dayton store, um, Bob started having some 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 health issues, mm -hmm. and so they kind of okay, they kind of Dan, you build the company, we're going down to Florida, and, and so um, so that's what happened. They've been gone for about thirty years. They've been they've been more passive. Owners. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they've been absolutely wonderful partners because they let me expand the business, um, and they let. Um, me create an environment where we could invite the employees in to be owners in the business. So, you know, most people aren't even married for 30 years. Yep. Uh, but we've been great partners for 30 years. Yep. No, that's great. Uh, I want to ask you about that too in a little bit about the employees basically being owners as well too. But how does, how did that, you know, you mentioned the fact that when the first time you walked in, it was like Hooters. So what did what was kind of the attraction to you? Um, you know, did you want to kind of put your own spin on it, like you said, expand the business? But I guess what were some of your critical decisions right when you started? What as well basically said, okay, this this looks like Hooters. I can take it, you know, to X Y Z. What kind of really sold it on you to really take over? No, that, that that's that's kind of a good funny story because uh, you know this is going back thirty years, and um, so. Yeah, I remember. You remember when I said that? Yeah, it looked just like a Hooters. Well, it did. The only difference was the food was exceptional. Okay. Yeah. And I go, okay. Right, there's only twelve items or thirteen items, but they're exceptional, and I can fix this other part. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, you know, Bob and Terry had kind of grown up in this Hooters world. So, uh, and and um, and so. Bob and I would get into these discussions <laughs> and I'd say, Bob, we got to get rid of the short shorts and we got to get rid of the nylons and we got to get rid of the tube tops. And uh, then they got into heated arguments, <laughs> not discussions anymore. And uh, he goes, no, this is my concept. This is what I want. Uh, I said, okay, okay. Well, then one day his wife, Corinne, who's a wonderful person, said, you know, Bob, <laughs> being a girl, she goes, you know, Bob, maybe Dan's right. Oh, that was the wrong thing to say to Bob. <laughs> That's like waving a red flag or whatever in front of a bull. Okay? Yep. But anyway, so we fought like cats and dogs about it. And, uh, um, you know, obviously, it, 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 uh, 30 years later, we're great partners. Yep, that's great. But we did change the concept. You did change the concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed that. What... Um, uh, when did you when you came on? How many locations were there? Were there only one still? Two, two. two. Okay. Yeah. There was one. Was it? You mentioned the one in Dayton. I think one it was Dayton, Hamilton Road. The and other they one. Had just opened up Hamilton Road. Yeah. And then you came on between Hamilton and German Village. Yeah, German Village. Yeah. Shout out German Village Roosters. By the way, that's my favorite one. I love going yeah, there. After we just time. remodeled that too. Did you? If you've been down there lately. I haven't been in about a year, but every time I, I mean we go all the time after I play softball yeah. at uh, what's the place right Burliner. there? Burliner. Burliner. Yep, right by Planks. Um, but yeah, Roosters is our spot after. I love going to that one. There's something like the culture about it. So it's so different than the other ones. They're so unique. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah. Tell, no, tell me, so tell me about that. You mentioned scaling it. You wanted to scale it, build it. How, how was that back then? And the other question I have from a business perspective is I believe there's 42 different locations. 43? Yeah, 44. 44, okay. 44. Uh, are all of them corporately owned or any of them franchised? Talk to me about that. Yeah, they're about half and half. Half franchise, half corporate. Uh, a little bit more franchise locations. So, so um, we like to go into um, former restaurants for a number of reasons. Um, like the old Frisch's, Bob Evans, we've got a couple Ponderosa. I think we've got seven Bob Evans. I think I'm number one on their speed dial. <laughs> but they need somebody. No, no, they're great. They're great people over there. But uh, um, um, and because when you go into a former restaurant, when you think about it, the bathrooms are already there, so you don't need to do all that. Just remodel them. The grease trap is already there that you need in a restaurant. The hood systems are usually already there, so you just rework them. The big walk-in coolers, the walk-in freezers, everything is already there. Um, they typically, uh, so, so, so basically it saves you about it's like, it's like having a fully furnished house. It, it, it is. For a restaurant. Just for, and just moving in and remodeling it. So it saves about $300,000 when wow. you go into a former restaurant. So when you look for new locations, places, and I read this actually in the Dublin one because you said your friends have, I read an article last year, your friends have been giving you some slack for not having one around. Right. Uh, and that one was a Logan's, right? Yes, Logan's. It was right there. Um, that's not even a quarter of a mile away from my high school and, and middle school <laughs> exactly. back in the day. And there was another store back. Anyway, long story short. <laughs> but uh, so you you specifically, though, look for repurposing, um, you know, fail. Not that you want other companies to fail, but other Restaurants that have moved out or left locations, you find that it saves you some money um, in starting up that, that location. Right. It saves us a lot of money, and um, they're already you know zoned as a restaurant. Um, typically, they have uh, beer, wine, and liquor, so the, you know, the zoning's already there. You just get your own permit, um, and um, uh, it's just a lot easier for us to go into. Logan's was just just perfect uh, sure. for us because it was the building was only about four or five years old so that's fringe dublin by the way but we'll count it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was it was actually uh uh yeah i thought definitely it was dublin they say no that's actually columbus the other side of sawmill is dublin and yep. i said well that it actually made it a little bit easier that it, there you go and probably save a little bit on taxes too yeah. maybe not uh but what did um what goes into basically you guys wanting to be a corporately owned or, or some of them being franchised. So what I mean is, is why or how do you actually select which ones you guys specifically want to own and the individuals that want to franchise? I imagine the franchisees reach out to you. I'm, I'm the reason why I'm asking you this too is I do you ever see the movie The Founder with uh, Oh yeah yeah Fantastic came out about five years ago. Yeah. The first Batman, I forget his name, but he's a great actor too. Uh, was in that he played the founder of McDonald's and he talked about how. The thing that McDonald's is, is they're actually not in the food business. They're in the real estate business right? because they own all the land underneath, but they franchise out all of the different um, locations. Yes. How does that, or how did, I guess, how do you guys decide that, you know, you and your partners, how, do you, how have you guys decided which ones you want to corporately own or franchise own? And what's the kind of the disparity there? Well, we, um, <clears throat> we've kind of reserved the area all around Columbus for corporate. Okay. Um, so that we can, uh, get around to all the stores, 
Uh, it's a nice tight area, and also the Dayton area. We've got five or six stores. Uh, we got four corporate stores there, and I don't know how many we have in Columbus, but like got to be ten or so. Yeah, at least well, yeah, probably at least ten. Sure. Um, and so anything outside those areas, we're we're willing to talk to um, franchise partners about. Gotcha. And. Are all the ones like, for example, I was, I was looking this up before, all the ones like in Kentucky franchise now? Yeah, those, uh, Robert and Chad and Tony have done a great job of uh, building the, the Roosters brand in Kentucky. I think they just opened their 11th or 12th store. So they're, they're, they're doing a great job and they get it because the culture is the biggest thing. Um, and you can't teach really culture. I was going to, this pairs into this, but I was going to ask you because. You know, Roosters is massive in Ohio. Everybody who's from Ohio essentially had probably been to a Roosters or heard of Roosters one way or another. But outside of Ohio, you guys have not really expanded much outside of Kentucky. I think you have, is it one in West Virginia, one in Indiana? One in West Virginia, one in Indiana, which Indiana is actually really part of the Kentucky group because it's just right across the river. Very close. But is, is the reason why you haven't expanded in other states because... You know, I'm, I'm biased, but I love the Roosters product and brand. Right. Uh, is it because of the culture? You don't want to basically give it off to a bunch of people that you don't feel comfortable with? Or how does that? Uh, you're, you're right, Spencer. It's a combination of a couple of things. Um, and, and, and this is a, uh, an in-depth thing, which we could go into later. But we approach franchise. We approach a restaurant business almost totally different than anybody else in the business. We approach the franchise business Franchising our concept totally different than everybody else in the business. Mm -hmm. We do kind of the opposite. A lot of people in the franchise business, I, they just want the money. Sure. Here, yeah. Here's your franchise. Here's your, you know, uh, give me the money, pay me a royalty every month. You guys sound like you're more on the Chick-fil-A end of the scale. Did you know that Chick-fil-A turns down 97% of their franchise applications? Well, they're right with us then. There you go. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's it. They're right with us. We don't advertise it. We yep. don't go to shows. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops just to talk to me because my idea of a franchise partner is, is, is I don't need your money. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want you to be successful. Sure. If you're successful, then my brand is successful. So I have to do everything in my power and give you every tool in my toolbox available for you to be successful. And if you're not, then I'm not. Yep. So, so we pick our partners very, very wisely. And, and uh, so that's part of that deal. That, that, that's part of the franchise business that, that we just do totally opposite of what everybody else does. Sure, I bet. Do, uh, do your partners, I mean, you said they're down in Clearwater Beach. Is that one of the situations where they actually get involved and might come back to Columbus to meet them at that point? Don? Nope, they still give you that. I like it. Still give you the leeway. Uh, my next question, pairing into the, the corporate office, and we talked about this as you were walking up here. You guys have never had one. The company has been run out of your basement in Dublin, Ohio for the last 30 years. Yes. What was the thought? And, and I want to give, <clears throat> I mentioned this to you, but I want to give a little backstory to my, my uh, listeners about why this question to me, especially right now in 2020, is so pertinent. And it's the fact that right now, commercial real estate, everybody's working from home. People are slowly going back. But right now, remote working and the overhead for commercial real estate is, um, you know, a very, very difficult situation. And you never, ever had an office, never had a corporate office. What kind of went behind that decision? And, you know, right now today, 
before you answer, I, I'm kind of fascinated because it, it's kind of been proven to be effective at minimum. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those situations where we, we kind of luck into everything and we, we could go on for hours about uh, that. But in the beginning, you know, there's one store, there's two stores, and I'm the only one, okay? I'm the only one running it. Um, um, so, so there's no need for a corporate. Who, who, who's sure. going to come to the office? Me. Okay. So yep. then we get three stores, you know, and I, I did everything. I, I designed the stores. I was kind of the general contractor on them and he oversaw the building and hired everybody, all that kind of stuff. So there, so I was the only one. So we had nobody else to go to a corporate office. Well, then we started getting bigger and I needed more help and I, you know, hired more people, but those were in the beginning, it was operational people and they're always out in the stores. So there's no reason for them to be, in fact, if they're in an office, they're, they shouldn't be. Yep. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And now, you know, 30 years later, we got, um, you know, our CPA or accountant, does, do they need to come to the office? No, no, they don't need to come to an office. Um, we've got a complete maintenance department. No, they don't need to come to an office. Uh, so yeah, that's how it started. That makes sense. I, I sometimes these guys, the business owners, um, CEOs, whatever, they like building these these big palaces. I feel like sometimes, and uh, you know, never having one, not having the overhead for one, makes makes total sense. Not to mention from a tax perspective, just being somebody who's very much kind of an entrepreneurial guy, you probably get a nice little write-off for your basement anyway, uh, <laughs> for your mortgage. And not as but, much as you think. But. Yeah, somewhat. Um, but everybody does. Everybody gets a, you know. Do that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of act as. Uh, Just like you. Yeah. No, there you go. Kind of act as uh, like sole proprietors in a sense. So that's pretty cool. I'm not holding one. I wish I was. I actually think I have one in my car. But tell me a little bit about Rooster's Bucks. How did they form? How long have they been around? Oh my gosh! Um, I remember having, I remember getting these things when I was maybe ten years old. There you go, you're holding one now. Oh, <laughs> uh, the rooster bucks! Oh my gosh! That actually can see it. That started way back with um, Coach Dressel. Okay. When um, early two thousands. Yeah, early 2000, 2002, When uh, when um, he was he he did he does a golf outing when he was head coach at Ohio State to raise money for the football program. And he needed someone to do his lunch for the outing. And so uh, a great guy, Ryan Miller, who played for John Cooper, um, uh, was a great guest at Roosters and a good friend. He runs Second and Seven uh, Foundation um, uh, for the kids. And so he said, he was talking to uh, Coach about it, and he said, hey, let me put you and Dan together. So Coach and I got together, and we talked about this outing, and it was like, Instant chemistry. Sure. And so we started doing his outing every year. We started doing a lot of things with him at the football office. Um, he he is, uh, Coach Russell is still one of the, the, the most amazing people I know. Um, he, he, he would let us use his picture. You know, like I remember we're, we're doing, a, you know, the Buckeye Sports Bolton and, and, and Frank, um, uh, who's the editor and owner. Um, I said, I, yeah, we're going to run this ad. He goes, you can't run that ad. It's got Coach Tressel's picture. And I said, well, he said I could use it. And he goes, he did? And I said, yes, he did. And, and, and so he says, well, I don't need to prove it. You can call him if you want. 
Uh, well, I don't have his number. <laughs> but it was That's great awesome. because anytime we wanted to do something like, and you see this this one is an updated one. It's it's, it's uh, Coach Meyer in the back, but you just call him up and say, hey, Coach, can I use your picture for this? And he goes, sure, Dan. Yeah. So that's how it all started, and that's how we developed these rooster bucks. That's awesome. How have they been effective, I guess, over the course of the last 20 years or so? You, well, you think I, they've been like a good marketing tool for the company? They've been a great marketing tool because it, it advertises our foundation, which uh, we give back over a million dollars a year to last year. It was almost 400 schools and churches. and That's fantastic. Uh, I heard you partner with, or I read on the website, actually, you partner with over 300 different local yes. companies or yes. I guess institutions. That's yeah. awesome. So, and so everybody is so supportive of the foundation. So it kind of added, and this one is... Uh, the rooster buck, you know, this year we raised uh, uh, in one day $150,000 at our golf outing yep. that um, Nicole Cox and, and uh, our folks run for us. And uh, Nicole's our marketing director. And um, uh, so in the last 10 years that we've been doing this outing, which has actually been sold out 10 years in a row. Wow. Um, Where do you guys do it at, by the way? Uh, golf Club of Dublin. I love golf club of Dublin. And uh, this year we hit the million dollar mark that we've raised for the uh, Buckeye Cruise for Cancer. That's fantastic. Wow. Have you ever been on that, by the way? Yeah, a million times. Have well, not a times? million. <laughs> it's yeah. only been going on for 13 years, but I think I've been on 10 of them. Oh, wow. You're, so you're, you're a regular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've thought about going a couple of times. They look like a blast. I know a bunch of people. You just see the pictures and they look like a ton oh, of fun. Oh, it, so. it, it is the most fun you could ever have. Yeah, that's great. Um, I wanted to ask you, too. You mentioned this the first right when I brought up roosters and a couple of things that you implemented and wanted to put your stamp on. But a lot of the success Roosters has had, I feel like that you've credited, is the fact that you've had such fantastic employees, low turnover rate, and you also mentioned that the employees get a chance to own the business. Can you talk about that a little bit as well? Sure, sure. So, oh, like uh, Denise uh, is, is our number two uh, person. She's the uh, our vice president of operations, and um, her and her sister uh, have been with us for 30 years um, and they've you know they've climbed up the ranks um, uh, every we hire from within only uh, Steve Ferguson who runs the franchise company started out as a dishwasher Denise and Amy uh, the sisters awesome. started out as uh, you know hostesses when they were uh, whatever 16 or 17 years old so um, so and so, so everybody, um, uh, they, they know they're getting hired from within. We're not taking outside people. Um, and it's kind of a really simple thing. You know, if you're with us for three or four or five years and you want to move up the ladder, we know exactly what you're, we're getting and they know exactly uh, what they're getting. Yeah, sure. So, so it's, it, it's, it's kind of a match made in heaven as opposed to throwing darts at a, at a, at a job board and going, okay, I'll come on in and I'll interview you because you don't know what you're getting. Sure. Yep. But, but both parties do. So once you move up the ladder, then you have, and you become a general manager or an area manager, um, then we give you the opportunity to buy into all new stores that open. Oh, great. Wow. And so everybody takes advantage of that. So, uh, which even makes the brand stronger because like Denise and Amy, they, you know, they probably own part of 
seven or eight stores. You have incentive then. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, the, that's the key behind the magic. Right, right. You have, when you come to work, it's not just something that it's a job and you're collecting a paycheck. You have incentive, like you said. It's like living in your house. I'm going to take care of my house. Sure. Yep. And, and you know, see after it as best they can. That's pretty cool. So you, you said, is it all managers when you become a general manager um, that you're able to buy in the new stores or how, how, what, what level? It, it, it's usually when you hit the general manager, but we've made some exceptions. You gotcha. Know, like, uh, um, yeah, we've made some exceptions along the way. Awesome. So Ben Roosters, this is, uh, is next year, uh, number 30? This year? Uh, next right year around number, 30. Uh, this fall will be 31. 31. Okay, fantastic. 31. Um you know, you've obviously, you've, you've, you've had some success. You've been doing it for a while. What kind of keeps you, keeps you coming um, and interested in the company? It sounds just, just talking to you, something you're proud of, um, you know, what you've built, but what, 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 what's the next few years of Roosters like? What, what do you enjoy about it still? And I guess, yeah, what's, what's kind of the outlook of what, uh, what we can expect? Well, uh, first of all, I didn't build it. We all built it. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I sincerely mean that because there's no way one person could, there's just no way. Um, and, and so many people don't understand that. But if we didn't have the people that we have, we'd still have one or two or three stores. Um, as you probably know, I think something like the national average is eight out of 10 restaurants close, that open close within the first year of, the, of operation. So, um, and we haven't closed any. Um, That's so you've never closed one. That's well, we, we did in Cleveland. He was like one of our first or second franchisees. Gotcha. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'll let you off the hook of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately he died. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's so, terrible. Um, and, 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 uh, the family, his family didn't want anything to do with it. And, uh, so anyway, it was a, a very unfortunate, but it was a great restaurant. <laughs> yep, understand. Um, couple questions I have. I, I let a couple people know I was having you on that uh, that love roosters, and um, so I have two. I want to basically give you listener questions. First one's from Nathan. He goes every single week to roosters. He is a wing night. I guess you could say truth or aficionado. He wanted me to ask you. He's like he. he quote unquote, I love roosters. What is the decision behind not having NFL Sunday ticket? I imagine they are very busy anyway on Sundays. And I know that the ticket is probably charging you per seat rather than TV. But what's the, uh, what was the thought process of never having an NFL Sunday ticket on Sundays? We do. Okay. Well, that's a surprise <laughs> to me. So, so there you go, Nathan. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> he asked me this a few days ago. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I'm no, glad you guys to, do have. No, it might have been delayed this year with the start of the season, if, if, but we've had it every year. He made it sound like you guys haven't had it for 20 years because he's been going weekly for 20 years. Oh no, no, no so we've had an NFL ticket. You guys have the ticket. Okay, great, fantastic. And, and he is right. We really pay for the ticket. I bet. <laughs> yeah. It's is is isn't that how I've actually been interested to ask a restaurant owner how that works? Is it per seat? It's not per. Like per customer that comes in, it's not per TV. It's it's kind of like occupancy. Okay. Whatever your legal occupancy rating is, and 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 they actually um, they actually dig and and get uh, from downtown. Have somebody come on in, it. it um, yeah, and, and and if you say you have three hundred seats, then then um, they check your occupancy permit and make sure that it doesn't say you have 600 seats. Sure. This is kind of random, but I, it's a perfect time to actually expand upon it. 
I think you're you're, you're going to be saving a ton of money in the next few years because the ticket package, <clears throat> I believe, the NFL and DirecTV's package runs through 2022, and Direct or the NFL has been trying to get out of it for years because it's it's dirt cheap, and DirecTV says no, we're keeping it because they're making a ton of money on it. And what's going to happen, I feel like in the NFL in a couple of years, this is neither here nor there, but they're going to open it up to where college football, you know how they have it on every channel now? Yeah. They're going to do the same thing with the NFL because yeah. they realize they're losing so much money and there's no reason why somebody, you know, I love the Bills. I can't watch the Bills because I have to watch the Steelers, Browns, and, and Bengals <laughs> uh, because of the regional networks. Yeah. Rather, it's, it's so silly because you have a product that everybody loves and the demand there is there that, that I can't watch the Bills at 1 o'clock unless right, I have right. my ticket. No, so, I, I can see that. I, I can definitely see that happening. They've uh, the NFL's been trying to buy them out, but the uh, yeah chickens coming to roost here uh, very very soon. <laughs> so uh, next one is from Josh. Tell me about the sauces. When were they created? Have they been? Have you been adding sauces? You know the wing sauces throughout the years, or have most of them come from you know the the very first restaurant back in the day? Yeah, so the very, uh, I think in the beginning there were probably four sauces, a barbecue, mild, medium, and hot. And so over the last, probably in 25 years, we've added a number of sauces and experimented with a number, like the sweet tata, Thai chili, um, Carolina gold. Um, uh, 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 we, we've experimented. Love the Carolina much. gold, by the way, yeah. and sweet tata chili. On the boneless wings. <laughs> It's absolutely great. So, and we continue. Uh, we're coming out with a um, uh, a Nashville hot rub. It's okay. a dry rub. So oh man, I love dry rubs. Are... And it can go on everything. It can go on fries. It can go on rooster chips. It can go on wings. When's that? When's that do? Um, it's going to be within the next thirty days. Oh wow, that quick. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be there night one. You can you can book <laughs> that. I love dry rub wings. Um, so that's that's good to hear. You guys have never had dry rub, right? Is no. this the first one? No. Okay. What what sparked that? What prompted that? Have you just heard from other people that they like dry rub? Yeah. Rubs? Okay. Yeah, we've had we've we've had guests uh, email us or tell us hey, why don't you guys get a dry rub? Sure. So mix it up. You know, another thing I want to tell Nathan uh, about the sauces is um, one of the big things that and maybe I shouldn't tell us this, or tell anybody this because our competitors might pick up on it, but I don't <laughs> think they will. Um, we still use real butter. Most people, and we've experimented with it about 20 years ago, most people use artificial butter. Interesting. There's lots of artificial butters out there. Um, but the taste is, it taste is totally, I don't want to say chemically. Sure. But, um, but we're the only ones that use real butter in our sauces, which makes it a little bit harder to make and a little bit harder to hold and all this kind of stuff because it doesn't have preservatives in it. Yep. Well, um, you guys never freeze your wings, too. I mean, that story's been told no, a bunch. None of our chicken is ever frozen. That's great. Never. That's great. Um, yeah, Josh is uh, is the sauce guy, and he likes the donkey sauce, too. Oh, it was Josh. Okay, sorry. Yep. No, you're good. Uh, so that's great. I've, I'm, I can't wait for this dry rub. You just got me excited. <laughs> I'll have to bring you some before it comes out. Love it. You can get the heads up. Love it. Uh, a couple last questions for you. I understand you have, and these are non-roosters questions, You've reignited a Friday golf game this summer with the boys. How fun has that been? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, 25 years ago when we were like you starting our, uh, you know, starting out in life, we played golf all the time. You know, 
especially me and your dad. I mean, we would play all the time. My dad mentioned that too, that he, uh, you know, Kurt was very busy maybe in the eighties and stuff and you and him kind of had some time there where you guys could play for years. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun getting, he, he's mentioned it's been fun getting back together. Oh yeah. It's great to see all those old guys. They look a lot older than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my dad that all the time, but, uh, no, that's awesome. I heard you guys shot a pretty good, some pretty good scores at uh, Milk Creek. Yeah, week, I huh? think your dad had thirty-eight. Yeah, and he's what? How old is he? 60? Sixty-seven. Yeah, um, but he wasn't even in the low round. Oh well, yeah, Terry Mouse had yeah, thirty-six. Terry Maori had thirty-six, and uh, I think Kurt had forty-four. And you were what? Forty-two, forty-three? Uh, right well, I think I had forty-three. Yeah. There you go. You guys are. Uh, we only played nine because that's all we can walk. You're still <laughs> doing it, but now that's awesome. Uh, last question for you. This is a sports show. We have had an unfortunate delay in Big Ten football for about a month and a half. Ohio State starting October 24th. We play Nebraska. What's the outlook for Ohio State this year? Do we win the national title? Do we get revenge on Clemson? What are your thoughts? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Um, certainly, I think the talent is there. No question. Um, everybody's kind of assuming that that's what's going to happen. And uh, you know what happens when you assume. Some things are dangerous. But I will say that everything I've heard and read, um, and we're pretty close with the football department. Of course, we haven't been lately because nobody's in the offices. Um, but we're down to, you know, almost weekly um, when things are normal. So, so um, if all the stars align, they've got... They've got the talent. Sure. I think this is uh, – I did a Big Ten show. Nathan, actually, a guy asked his question about the ticket. Uh, he says, I think this is the most talented team right along with 2015, right after the title. If you remember, we want, all those guys won that first year, but they were all sophomores. And also 1998, if you can remember that one, we lost to Michigan State in that heartbreaker. So, yeah, from a talent perspective, I'd agree with you. Do we win it or not? Put you on the spot. National title. We do. I like it. I think we. I want Clemson again so bad. That game was painful. I was there. Oh, were you? Okay. I was actually there, and with my son and wife. Give me. Okay, give me your. I need to ask you. Yeah, give me your little bit of reactions of that game. Well, um, the Wade hit. What was your first thought? Oh, it was just. Well, you know what? I I really truly believe there were some calls that shouldn't have been made. Um, but, and my wife, Bonnie gets really upset over it. And I said, but honey, you know what, even though we had everything go against us, we had all the calls go against us, we still had a chance to win the game. We were right there. And we didn't. Sure. So, so, you know, bad things happen, sure. but we had the chance to overcome. Yep. No, I agree with you. And when you get up 16, nothing like that, you have to be able to close out a team like Clemson yeah. at the end of the day. So, yeah. uh, Dan, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been fun. I hope you enjoyed it yourself. I wanted to tell you, too, um, I had a partner that I used to work with, and I worked at J.P. Morgan for a while, very successful, very wealthy. And he basically, what 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 I always told him when I noticed actually working with him very, very quickly is his greatest attribute wasn't his wealth, wasn't his just ability to, to run or operate a territory. It was his ability to make everybody feel important and it didn't matter how small you are, how wealthy, poor, whatever. And I told my dad this when you were one of the first people I wanted to have on for the show, that one of your greatest talents was actually make the ability to make smaller people or anybody feel important. So I really appreciate you coming on. 
And um, yeah, last so thing. So nice wanted, of you to say. No, that. definitely. But I, I, every time we've interacted, I've, I've always basically felt great about it. So really appreciate it. And then lastly, anything going on at Roosters? Anybody? Any anybody should know about. You mentioned the dry rub wings, thirty days or so. Um, that and we're getting ready to expand once the COVID. You know, un unfortunately, um, COVID is as 10% of restaurants in Ohio closed. Sure. Um, that number will probably go higher, and it's a, it's a very, very bad thing. Um, you see your market share expanding, though, or growing? Well, what, what's, happened, what's happening in our case is we like to buy restaurant buildings that, that aren't in business anymore, so there's more of those coming onto the market, so the availability is going to be there for us to expand our brand. So it's it's very bittersweet. You hate to see anybody, sure, especially yeah. in our business, because we're all pretty tight knit in the business. Is it Columbus areas, Dayton areas, all over Ohio? All over. Particular? Okay, gotcha. Over. Appreciate it again. Thanks so much. This has been a blast. Hope you enjoyed it too. Um, Spencer, it's been my pleasure, and thanks for having me on. Definitely, awesome. anytime. Hope to get to talk to you again. All right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks.